0: Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more.
1: Welcome to the How to Hunt Deer podcast, which is brought to you by Tacticam. This podcast aims to educate those who are interested in becoming deer hunters, brushing up on essential skills, or maybe just adding a few new tactics to the toolkit. We cover a variety of topics that will help you be more confident and successful in the field while you're hunting deer. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. Man, this has been a big week in the life of many deer hunters. Gun seasons are open now pretty much around the country. That means more people are out enjoying the great outdoors, tagging deer, uh, enjoying deer camp, and uh, man, just doing what it's all about. Some of my favorite memories as a kid are when we would go up to deer camp in later november right around the thanksgiving time frame and we'd spend a couple of days chasing deer around with our rifles um you know just having a wonderful time so man that's what this time of year is all about and as awesome as it is there's one thing that is certain and that is gun season puts a ton of pressure on the deer that you're hunting now opening weekend you can see a lot of natural movement but if you hunt a place with multiple gun hunters then you know hey the deer are going to be acting different with each passing day of gun season. And what that often means is as you get later in the gun season or even after gun season, when gun season's over and you're back to bow hunting, you can have a really tough time getting on the deer. So that's what we're talking about today. I've got Dan Johnson from the Nine Figure Chronicles podcast on, and we talk about how to find bucks after gun season. Now, if your gun season doesn't end, like, you know, right now I'm hunting in Alabama and the gun season here goes all the way through February. So there really is no post gun season hunting, but the principles still apply even if gun season is still going on. You're gonna have to change what you're doing to stay on the deer. The deer are not gonna keep doing the things that get them shot or get them shot at. So in this episode, we talk all about how to find the bucks, during or after gun season, basically once the pressure has started. We talk about where they're going to be spending their time during daylight, and we talk about how to get boots on the ground and find those spots. This is an awesome episode, and if you've still got a tag in your pocket, you will not want to miss it. Now, before we jump in, though, I do want to say thanks to our partners. First of all, Tacticam, they are the title sponsor of this show. They're the makers of the best point-of-view cameras for outdoorsmen. They've got their new 6.0 and Solo Extreme cameras that will help you capture your memories from the field so that you can relive them like you're back in the moment and so that you can share them with family and friends. Their new 6.0 camera features 4K 60 frame per second footage, up to 8x zoom, a touchscreen display, and one-touch operation. And all of this comes in a compact, durable, waterproof housing. With Gun Seasons in full swing, one of their products that I would encourage you to go check out right now is their FTS system. What the FTS system allows you to do is film through the scope on your rifle, shotgun, or muzzle loader. Essentially, it turns your scope into a camera lens. And uh, man, if you are looking to self-film your gun hunts, this is the way to go. So head over to their website, Tacticam.com. Check out their new 6.0 camera. Check out the Solo Extreme, And don't miss their FTS system for this gun season. Next up, Huntworth. They're making durable comfortable camo without the sticker shock. This year, I've been wearing the Tarnan pattern and I have not gotten picked off in a tree yet. Now I've been winded a couple of times, but even when the deer are looking for me up in the tree, they can't find me. A couple of weeks ago, I had the opportunity to wear their new heat boost line, which performed flawlessly in the cold, kept me super warm. This week I'm in Alabama and it is November 23rd and man I was back in the early season gear it was 75 degrees here today where I was hunting and that's one of the things I love about Huntworth they've got garments to keep me cool when I need to be cool to keep me warm when I need to be warm right now they're running an awesome sale over on their website for Black Friday and Cyber Monday the sale runs November 18th through the 28th you can use the code HUNT30CY that's all caps HUNT the number 30 and then caps CY to get you 30% off of all of their products. And you can find them at huntworthgear.com. Next up, Deer Lab. They're the number one app for hunters and land managers. Deer Lab helps you store, organize, and analyze all of your trail camera data so that you can make data-driven decisions as you target your buck this fall. Right now, I'm in the process of getting all of my cameras back out into the field to take some post-season inventory See which bucks made it and which ones didn't. And also try out a couple of new places. And Deer Lab is going to be critical for helping me keep up with all of this data. Right now, you can get a 30-day risk-free trial. They're not going to ask for your credit card or anything like that. Just head over to their website, DeerLab.com. When you're ready to purchase, you can use the code HUNTDEER, all caps, and that'll get you 20% off of any of their plans. And last but not least, this episode is also brought to you by the Onyx Hunt app. Onyx gives you up-to-date landowner information, color-coded public and private land boundaries, and a ton of tools to help you hunt smarter. One tool I'm loving right now is their Optimal Wind feature, which lets you set the optimal wind direction for a given location, and it will tell you in real time whether the wind is good, bad, or just okay for that location. If you're not already using Onyx, you can find it at your preferred app store, and you can get a 7-day free trial, or you can go check them out at onyxmaps.com. Now let's get into this week's show with Dan Johnson talking about how to find the bucks once the pressure is turned up. All right, joining me for this episode of the How to Hunt Deer podcast is the emperor himself from the Sportsman's Empire <laughs> podcast network, Mr. Dan Johnson. What's up, Dan?
0: Not too much, but every time you guys say that, call me the emperor, <laughs> you, you like you, you put me on this big pedestal that I almost feel is grounds for failure because every great emperor Throughout the you know the human history, like something really bad has happened to them. Like they get they get to this massive amount of power, they want more, and then their own people turn on them and like hang them or cut their arms and legs off. You know, what I mean? so, so it's like, so it's like oh. really. Every time I hear emperor, I hear like fallen a, a fallen civilization.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, that you know, we we were on a, an email chain, and uh, somebody commented on their you know at the end of their email, "Long live the emperor," and I was like, yeah. "Oh my <laughs> goodness, this is <laughs> this is this is getting out of hand at this point." Yeah, but, exactly. Uh, it's a term of endearment we use for you, Dan. We're all we're all pumped to be part of this uh, part of this empire and enjoy it and uh, appreciate the work that you do to keep us all uh, corralled and on track. I guess you could say, but. Buddy, a lot has happened since the last time we talked, man. Dude. Dude, I I'll
0: tell you this. When you sent me that
1: picture of the buck you killed this year,
0: I was jacked up. I mean, that's a great buck, man.
1: Oh, dude, I I was I couldn't believe it happened. And I mean, and to yeah. happen on public that just was seeing more pressure than any year I've I've hunted it. It was wild. It was a wild experience. Yeah.
0: And so for some reason, I thought you had a private farm up in Wisconsin that you were hunting. Nope. And so now, just now, when you told me it was public, that makes, for some reason, that story so much better.
1: Oh, dude, it was, yeah, It and, and it probably shouldn't. You know, I don't want to take anything away from guys that are hunting private, man. I mean, they work just I as do. hard to walk away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you hunt private. I mean, you guys work just yeah. as hard to get out there but i i mean you hunt public out west you know there's it's just a different vibe um no. and i think the quality of deer that you can hold out for is very different
0: yeah and dude i will say it i will like i in in the state of iowa um there's less than 2% of the land in the state of iowa is public hunting like you you can hunt and so when you go out west to a state like uh i don't even i don't like let's say idaho or South Dakota where there's millions of acres of potential public ground to run around on and even in the state of Wisconsin I'm sure there's public ground but not massive amounts of it like out west so I am 100% comfortable uh, saying that the people on uh, who get the job done really on any deer on public ground are working harder than in some way, shape or form than the guys who are hunting public or private, excuse me, private ground. And I'll, I'll be honest, man, this year I hunted a a very, very low pressure farm. And I mean probably the lowest pressure farm that I've ever hunted before. And I got the job done on a really good buck, but you take, you take that, you take me out of that environment and you put me into a different environment that's a very high pressured public land type setting. Number 1, you have to you have to train yourself how to hunt different, right? You have yeah. to and I've been there I've I've been there before. I've been on the um the you know I, some of the farms are are pretty much public on, in some of the, they're private farms, but they're pretty much public. I mean, if you went knocked on the door, the landowner would probably give you permission. And I ended up losing that farm, but I mean, there was on a hundred acres, there was probably five other bow hunters that I was trying to, you know, jockey position with. So you're having to put up with all these extra, I don't know, extra things. That you don't have on a piece of low pressure private, right? Yeah. And so you just have to be fine, You have to be very fine tuned into in your approach. I, I, you know, like, man, I, I'll be honest. In the past, I've gotten away with some things just because it's low pressure public or private, and mm-hmm. so I can have real aggressive, um, real aggressive access routes, real aggressive, um, you know, stand locations, cutting the wind really hard, and I can get away with that. I think on some of some places where there's a higher pressure on on public, you wouldn't be able to get away with that. And so, uh, that was a rant just now. So what I'm what I'm what I want to say is just the fact that you got it done on that caliber of deer on public land is is amazing.
1: Yeah, thanks, man. I, I appreciate that. It was it was quite an adventure, and it it turned out to be a buck that. I mean when I shot him I, ha- I I didn't know how big he was really. I just knew he was a deer I'd be happy with. And then the yeah. the taxidermist throws a tape on him and he goes 140 and I was like, "Okay. Uh I'll I'll take yeah. that. I'm happy with that." Um, yes. Yes. So, but dude, you got it done too. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I was uh I was pretty happy and you know, barring the whole strategy, you know, the the conversation about strategy, I <laughs> like, I, I got access to a brand new farm this this summer, late in the summer, like late October. And so, after I got access to it, I, um, the next weekend, I went out there and I started setting up a whole bunch of trail cameras. Uh, did a little bit of scouting. And I uh, eventually, I um, put a cell cam up there. And this is, this is not a joke. The first picture from that cell cam that I had sent back to me. Was the buck that I uh, eventually shot this year? No joke. So that's no joke, and so it it, it was an awesome like. So I I I scouted this property, and th- it was weird because there just wasn't a lot of sign. There wasn't, you know. Sometimes you can walk into a a farm and you can see a ton of rubs, old rubs, and you're like, God, this is a bedroom for some big nasty buck, you know, and and so. I ended up walking this farm, looking at it, and I'm just like, man, there is not a lot of deer sign uh, on this farm, and so it made me really happy when the first series of pictures I got sent to me through my cell cam was this buck, and he's a really, in in my opinion, a really good buck, really tall brow tines and really good mass on on his uh, beams and things like that. So I was uh, I was pretty excited. Uh, when he showed up on camera, and then when he stayed on camera throughout the month of October and early November until eventually I ran into him in uh, in November.
1: Yeah, it looked like that was a pretty epic hunt too.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I I got a, like I got lucky uh, really because my arrow my my arrow fell out of my bow. So as he's ten yards in front of me, I had to take another arrow out of my quiver, get it knocked again, and then go and and try to draw back on this deer without spooking him again. And so, so eventually he didn't, he didn't run. Uh, he was, uh, you know, and and again, that could be another example of deer behavior on a low pressure farm versus a a high pressure farm.
1: Well, dude, when I saw your story, you led with, you know, I can't believe it. There was a buck right here and my, my arrow hit the dirt right in front of him kind of thing. And I was yeah. like, oh my gosh, did he get away? And then it turned out you actually yeah. got an arrow in him. I'm like, oh my good!" like the redemption story. <laughs> you know, I, right, I was like, right. like the look on your face, I couldn't tell if you were excited or if it was like disappointment, you know? And I was yeah. like, oh man, it, what it happened? One,
0: yeah, it was one of those things where you really uh, dude. So I'm looking at the skull cap and the antlers of this buck right now, and I'm still... It almost it, like it hasn't absorbed that I actually got away with what I got away with. And so, you know, long story short, uh, um, when, when, he, when that arrow hit in front of him, he looked at it, then he looked at me, and then he looped around it, and then I got him broadside at 20 yards. And in four more steps, he would have been behind a tree. So I had to make it happen real quick. And so how fast and how awkward that whole scenario went down. You know, there's sometimes when you shoot a deer, you get pumped. You're like, yeah, dead deer. Ah! And so I was just kind of still sh- disheveled from the whole encounter. A- and then, you know, uh, the recovery job didn't go as planned. And I had to wait overnight f- uh, to go find him. But, uh, but still, it was, a, it was a, f- a very fun hunt. And I'm looking forward to uh, getting back on there and maybe shooting a doe either later this month or uh, late season.
1: Man, yeah, so the, this farm turned out, when you got back to it, you know, around that November time frame, did you start seeing the sign pop up then, or was it just still not a ton of sign around?
0: You know, I saw some average rubs, and I saw, you know, some scraping on the uh, on the field edges a little bit, but nothing that, you know, I've been on some farms before where whole ridges are destroyed, or every overhanging tree on a field edge has a scrape on it. I've, I've seen that, and this did not have it. And if it wasn't for trail cameras, I don't know what I would do. Like, I, I don't wow. know if I would have hunted that farm the same way because trail cameras told me a lot about what was walking around on this farm.
1: Yeah, man. And, and so, yeah. Tell me a little bit about this buck because the – okay, you mentioned, like, hey, man, this is a huge buck – and then mm-hmm. some of the pictures, I was like, "Yeah, that's a that's a good buck." But then I saw a picture of you holding the antlers, and I was like, "Dude, that's a really good buck." So like, yeah. I, I think it was kind of deceiving. Did he just have a huge head on him?
0: Well, I don't know. Like, I don't ever measure my deer, so I don't. So I, I say that with an asterisk because there has been a couple deer in my uh, that are on my wall that I've measured from peer pressure from my stepdad. Um, but this buck here, I. I was just curious. I'm always curious about what the inside spread is, right? So usually that's something that I measure. And this buck was 19 and a quarter um, inside spread. And then this buck also has a really good, uh, really good brow tines. And so both brow tines are just under seven inches. And so, um, so just to kind of put that into perspective, but yes, this was a big mature whitetail that had a, a really good body on him uh, and a really good head. I'm guessing he was, I'm, I'm going to guess a five-year-old if I had to guess, uh, but it could be four, right? But he's definitely like when I saw his body. I'm I'm really trying to stay away from the antlers. Like I I look at this deer, I have tons of pictures of him from the summer and into October, and I look. I had the ability to look at the body and say this is a this is a, a mature buck, four year old or older. I'm guessing he is is five, and he had that big that big mature body look to him, like where he would just. It wasn't like he was walking through the timber. It was almost like he was strutting through the timber you know mm-hmm. like a big tom does sometimes yeah. so it, it, he knew he was in charge is what i'm getting at and so it, i think that this was the dominant buck in this little on this farm that i or in the area and so um so yeah and i i think he ended up uh, uh being a big a big deer but you're right i mean <laughs> the other thing the other thing is and i'm going to i'm going to say this on another podcast too but trophy pictures right where guys get behind a a deer and they can make a, a medium buck look really big oh yeah when they oh, when yeah. they start taking pictures I'm six foot one 230 pounds and so there's only been one deer in my entire life that I've actually looked small and it was in 2012 I shot a buck that I'm guessing would would weigh in the 300 pound range, right? Just this big, huge bodied deer. He had a great, uh, he's like 20 inside, uh, inches inside. So he in front of me made me look kind of tiny, but, but these other deer that I've shot, they're still great deer, but I'm big in yeah. the picture. You know what I mean? Yeah. So all yeah. these guys who are like five 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 right? 150 pounds. Yep, And they get behind any deer, even a doe, like people are going to just go, holy cow, you just shot a world record doe. <laughs> so, so, dude, so congratulations just, to all the little guys out there who, who, uh, make all their deer look big.
1: Dude, you just described me, man. I'm five foot seven. And so, hmm. you know, you sit behind 140 inches of antler. It's like, dude, you, that's a oh, that's yeah. a giant, that's a moose. But, yeah. uh,
0: and I had a, I had a buddy. I had a buddy. He goes, so he would always say, like, take lots of pictures, take like lots of pictures. And so whenever we would kill a, a deer, he would go, I'm about to make this buck look 170. And it was probably like a <laughs> 140 class, right? <laughs> so he would, he'd would be like, turn the head, put the head down, put the head up, whatever. Okay. Now you got to sit like this. And, and so, uh, I don't know. That's always funny, fun to joke about.
1: Yeah. For sure, man. So the, the new farm panned out. Yes, it did. Man, that's incredible. That's awesome. So where where do you go from here with it? Are, are there are you starting to make plans for next year of like how you're gonna hunt this place different or you're gonna do anything to it? Or are you just like, hey, it's perfect how just how it is?
0: Yeah, so what makes this farm so good is is that there's nobody on it. Like and so what I wanna do is at the end of this season, I'm gonna maybe even in March. I'm gonna get in there when I go to shed hunt it I'm gonna shed hunt it like one or two days and then I'm I'm not gonna come back there until July you know. I'm just going to let it be, let it be the farm that it is. And it, it's pretty much just a sponge for the surrounding area. All of, all the terrain funnels down into this one spot. And I think that's what makes this farm so great. And in order to continue to keep it great, that means I got to stay out of it, too. Um, and that's because one like one thing a lot of people don't understand is that you talk about pressure. And I, I'm just going to use you as an example on this public on that piece of public that you, you said was high pressure. Everybody always thinks that other things are the pressure and not them. Well, if you go into a piece of property, you are the pressure. Yep. Along with anybody else who's in there. So my goal with this farm is to not be the pressure. I'm going to stay out of it and I'm only going to like, and I think what made this, this hunt so great is the fact that I was able, I went in for three hunts in early, uh, I would say the second week of October, I came out and then I went in the, uh, f- the, s- the, what it was at the end of the first week of November. So the, the fourth, fifth, sixth timeframe, frame like just these surgical strikes, just boom in, boom in. And I think me laying off of that and not just grinding on it for a long period of time really had something to do with uh, my
1: success there. Absolutely, man. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's an awesome plan. Well, man, I look forward to seeing what comes off of that as far as your shed hunting this yeah. year. I can't imagine that you don't just load up on that place. Well, the the
0: thing about it is all the food – is on the other properties, right? So this is just like a secure little bedding area, really is all it is. And so um you take away the ag ground and you take away the pasture ground on this on this farm, and you are sitting at a you're sitting on a on a like a a 20-acre. I don't know, like rectangle of timber along a creek. I can see through it. The The property at its widest point is 400 yards. So it's a very small property. And so um, I don't know if I'll find many sheds. I'm still going to go shed hunt it, but I think it should be... Uh, and I'll have you know, trail cameras out indicating when I should probably go. Um, if deer start to lose their antlers and things like that, then I'll, I'll make a, a play on it. But I honestly think I'm going to get in there after the season's over. In some in some states you can do this, in other states you can't. I think I'm going to dump corn in multiple locations uh, and try to keep them on take an inventory of what made it through the the winter and the the gun seasons and uh, I'll do that after the season's over and 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 just kind of sit chill and wait
1: hey guys just want to take a quick minute to let you know that the how to hunt deer podcast is brought to you by tacticam makers of the best point of view cameras on the market for hunters and anglers they're on the cutting edge making user-friendly cameras to help the everyday outdoorsman share your hunt with friends and loved ones Their new 6.0 camera has a ton of upgraded features this year, but the one I'm most excited about is the new LCD touchscreen. In my mind, that's a total game changer. And one area Tacticam really shines is with their mounts and adapters that are made with the sportsman in mind. If you've tried to film your hunting and fishing excursions in the past, you know how frustrating it can be to get an action camera aimed just right or get it attached to your weapon or in a good spot for a second angle. Well, Tacticam makes all of that a breeze with their line of accessories. This fall, I'll be using their stabilizer mount on my bow with a 6.0 camera and their bendy clamp paired with a 5.0 wide camera for a second angle and to make sure I don't miss any of the action. To learn more and check out their full line of products, head over to their website, Tacticam.com. Share your hunt with Tacticam. You just mentioned there, after the gun seasons are over, right? So Mm -hmm. that is exactly what I want to talk to you about today. Gun seasons are open or are opening around the country right now. Um, Lots of guys are pumped for it. Uh, A lot of bow hunters are thinking, ah, I'm not too excited about it. But (laughs) no matter who you are, this is going to change the way you hunt. Right? Like whether you are a gun hunter or whether you loathe gun hunting and wish that it was bow only, it's going to change how you do things. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit about gun hunting and then maybe how to get back on the deer once gun hunting has kind of stirred things up. So, Dan, have you done a a lot of gun hunting in the past? Man,
0: gun hunting, like, I started out archery hunting, and I've kind of stayed an archer, uh, like a bow hunter. And it's crazy because the last time I was on, here's, I'll just tell you the story. The last time that I went on a gun hunt, I was part of a uh you know a, a shotgun season crew and it was just a bunch of guys all friends and um you know most of them were guys i knew from high school or their dads or things like that and i was invited onto their into their group and and uh you know and and i thought it was fun i think i did it 2 years in a row and so the first year went out and the new guy always is the driver so i would i would go and I would push the big pieces that, you know, push the draws and the fingers. And then somebody else who'd been there longer than me, you know, got to post up and do the shooting. Well, the next year, um, I went and I started doing the, uh, I, I w I could post, right. Cause I'd paid my dues, so to speak. And so there was, there was this older guy, I'm guessing he was in his sixties at the time. Uh, and he was preaching safety safety about you know when to shoot where to shoot like before we would get out of you know when we get out of the trucks he would break down the property who would talk to us where the drivers are going to be coming from so if you're going to shoot you got to shoot this way you got to shoot into the terrain and not skylined or anything like that right so this guy was just all about safety which was awesome right so everybody was wearing their blaze orange and, and things like that and so the that Then we, on that day, we went on a drive and he was posting on one side of the finger. I was posting on kind of the other side of this, this big draw that led up to a field and a really big buck came out of it and he was high ground. I was low ground. And so what, what needed to happen is we needed to have this deer get through us before we could start shooting at it. Well, he started unloading. Same guy that was preaching safety, and I had two slugs come within six—this is no joke—six feet of me.
1: Oh, and
0: and so I had to hit the deck, and that was the last time I ever went gun hunting.
1: Dude, I don't blame you, man. But, That's crazy. Yeah,
0: yeah, yep. And so, I I didn't grow up in a—I mean, there was some gun hunting from my uncles, but they were two hours away. So I never really, you know, joined them. And that's when for me, it just kind of all turned into archery. I really love getting close to the animals. Um, and I mean, that's why, I mean, I, am I going to be a gun hunter in the future? Yes. I'll probably grab a muzzle loader or uh, a shotgun at some point when I, when I get older, but right now, like everything I do revolves around bow hunting.
1: Yeah, man. And that's, you know, people can pass a hunter safety course and people can preach safety all day long. But, dude, when, when what they think is a big buck steps out or a, the deer yeah. that they're after steps out, like all bets are off, man. You get yeah, in the heat of the black moment. Out. Yeah. 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 It's, it's way too common that guys just totally black out. I, was, I heard a thing the other day where um, some game wardens had put up a fake deer and a guy is shooting at the deer from the road. The game wardens go up to him arrest the guy you know bring him into the office and then once he's booked and everything there he's like hey we got to go back and get that deer like he still hadn't put it together in his mind that this deer (laughs) was a robot two
0: times in a row (laughs) like
1: and he's trying to convince the game warrants he's like no no i know i hit that deer and they're like yeah we know you did he's a fake deer but the guy's just total tunnel vision you know on going back and getting that deer so Anyway, that terrifies me. I don't do a ton yeah. of gun hunting on public land for that reason. Um, yeah. Heading back to the family property this weekend for the next, you know, five, six days or so, and you better believe private land in Alabama, I'm breaking out the firearms. Um, but, you know, if I was hunting southern Wisconsin, I probably would not really be out there on public um, yeah. during during firearm seasons. So, well, Dan, let's talk a little bit about this now. So as a bow hunter – who is not going to avail himself of the firearms opportunity. How do things change once the guns start going off? Like, is it, is it what everybody thinks it is? Did the deer just crawl into a hole and not come back out until next November?
0: Uh, kind of, (laughs) 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 you know, in certain spots. Yeah. So, um, I think what we can do here is we can talk about the, uh, it's just a matter of pressure, right? So, all putting the weapons aside for a bit, and we can talk about what the pressure is. And usually, if you are a rifle hunter or if you're a gun hunter, this means your weapon has a longer range. This means that you want to be able to see longer distances, right? So, yep. I mean, I had a, uh, a bow hunter that I know uh, the rifle season opened in his state. Uh, a guy ended up shooting one of the deer he had been chasing all for, for multiple years, shot him at 600 yards. Oh. OK. So let's just say let's just say your range is five or six hundred yards. You're going to want to go to a place where you can see five or six hundred yards. Right. And then reach out and, and, and shoot. Whatever your range is or whatever your weapon is. Now, that's with a rifle. With a muzzleloader, that's closer. With a shotgun, that's closer. You know, you're talking about 100 yards and in at at that point, depending on how accurate you are with your weapon. But if you're still bow hunting at this time, I think it's a really good opportunity to take advantage of the pressure and find a position to where the like the rifle hunters just aren't going because I don't think a rifle hunter uh, or a gun hunter is tromping down. And this is all an assumption because I don't hunt. And this, I guess this is what I would do if I was a gun hunter is, is I don't think guys are tromping into the woods, sitting on some big ridge somewhere. I mean, if the, if the timber's wide open, yes, but wide open timber doesn't necessarily mean good deer you know, good deer movement in this, they're, they're in the thickets, they're in the swamps, they're in the, the edge or whatever. And so what I'm getting at here is I, if I was, if I was fighting gun pressure, I would be going into those best spots, probably some of the spots that I've already identified during the archery season and just sit real tight to that in hopes that this gun pressure keeps them at bay because what happens is when you unload a whole bunch of pressure uh, of people and shooting and even deer drives at some point, the deer's the deer movement is going to just go. It's, and it's not going to stop, but it will just sit tight to that thick cover. And then when it gets dark, then they'll start moving out into the fields or to the food sources or things like that. But at this point, they're just trying to survive in certain states right yeah yeah and so the only thing they're gonna do is like and it sucks because we're also in this rut time frame still so this is where a lot of deer get shot because the deer aren't really giving a shit about the pressure all they want to do is breed right now the does that's a different story they're they're wanting to survive the bucks are thinking we want to breed and then Um, that's how a lot of deer get shot this time of year. But if you're having, if you're having problems trying to locate deer, then you get into these thickets. Then you get into the the swamps and the the edges and the, uh, the river bottoms where you find the the, the thickest cover for this time of year. And that's where I'm, I would assume a majority of the deer are going to be hanging out just from a pressure standpoint.
1: Yeah, man, you you touched on something there with the um, you know, the bucks are still kind of on the, the tail end of a lot of that chasing and seeking that they're wanting to do as a lot of these firearm yeah. seasons come into play. In the state of Wisconsin, you can look at the deer harvest data from opening weekend and on the years where it is early, so the, the weekend change, I mean the date changes obviously every year. But on the week mm-hmm. on the years that that weekend falls earlier and deer season, you know, the gun season comes in earlier, the harvest is like way higher. And then every year as it gets later and later, it's a little bit worse, a little bit worse, a little bit worse until finally it comes back and resets. And it's an early gun season again. And then boom, you know, they're catching really a lot of the tail end of that rut activity, but everyone kind of agrees like this shuts it down pretty quick. (laughs) Like, like, you know, I've heard people say before gun season just turns the rut off pretty much. And it, and it doesn't, you know, we know it doesn't do that, but, A lot of that activity is going to be happening at night. So, Dan, I'm curious, as you're thinking about where these deer are, like, let's say some of these spots that you, you know, found earlier in the year are just not holding the concentrations of deer either during or after a firearm season. How are you going to go back to the drawing board and relocate? Like, what's that process going to look like for you?
0: It's, you know, and and with this being the How to Hunt Deer podcast, right, Yep. Every conversation, every conversation that we've already had comes back into play, right? So a lot of the a lot of the early season techniques or a lot of the off season scouting techniques kind of come back into the play into play. The cool thing about this time of year though, is you really get an idea of what the terrain is. So right now here in November, there's not a lot of leaves on the trees. There's not a lot of uh, leaves on the vegetation in the terrain. So you can really see the terrain and how the deer move through it. And if there's snow on the ground, like there is in Iowa right now, you can even see the trails. So that is a huge indicator Of where you need to set up on, you know, in in some of these uh, positions and you just and I know that where deer live in uh, September and early October could potentially be a lot different just based off the vegetation change uh the food source change right most crop fields are are harvested um the acorns if there hasn't been a like a, a bountiful acorn crop then they they've probably already eaten up a majority of of the acorns on the ground and so now what we're doing is we're looking for that any type of green browse we're looking for, um, maybe, and, and you can get a lot of, uh, information by just walking through an ag field on how good the combine is almost, almost from, uh, what year it was made because I went from a property. This is, this is a funny story, um, where I had a really good late season opportunities at deer and in the past i would shoot some does every year because i had them clocked coming into this this cornfield the farmer gets a new combine and it's not letting any kernels out the back end right i mean it's sucking it's (laughs) sucking everything up and late season then became a ghost town because of how good the combine uh, was and so uh it, you just have to go and start the whole process over again and a lot of times that means scouting e-scouting boots on the ground you know ha- moving trail cams if you if you're a trail camera person or just looking for the the freshest possible sign and sometimes that you know this time of year it could be it could be a, a little bit more difficult
1: this episode is brought to you by the onx hunt app Onyx gives you up-to-date landowner information, color-coded public and private land boundaries, and gives you a ton of tools to help you hunt smarter. One tool I'm loving right now is their Optimal Wind feature, which lets you set the optimal wind for a given location, then tells you in real time whether the wind is good, bad, or just okay for that spot. You can try it risk-free for seven days right now. Just download the Onyx Hunt app on your preferred app store today. This episode is brought to you by DeerLab, the number one trail camera app for hunters and land managers. DeerLab gives you a simple way to store, organize, and analyze all of your trail camera data. DeerLab has tons of great features like the ability to filter photos based on what's in them, like deer or turkeys or people. It syncs your photos with local weather to help you pattern your target. And you can even mass edit your timestamps, which is a great feature if you're like me and you forget to correct the time on your camera. Head over to DeerLab.com now for your free 30-day trial with no credit card required. And when you're ready to purchase, you can use the code WISCONSIN, all caps, at checkout for 20% off of any of their plans. So somebody like me who, um, I like guns. I think I think people should have the right to own firearms. I don't necessarily like being around people that I don't know who also have guns. Um, <clears throat> how how are, What is your boots on the ground going to look like? Because the one thing I'm thinking is like, this is not the time that I want to be putting boots on the ground and covering a lot of ground in the timber.
0: Yeah. So obviously if you're, if you're going to be scouting during the gun season, you should probably wear blaze orange. I mean, that's a, that's a no brainer in my book, but at the same, excuse me, a lot of the times, if you're a bow hunter, you're still required to wear blaze orange during the gun seasons uh, in a lot of States. And then, the, the other option is to just go, you know what, I'm going to let the chaos of the gun season end and maybe even do a little bit of scouting those last couple of days of the of the gun season. And then I'm going to jump back into it once all that pressure kind of dies down, uh, you know, pressure pressure is I don't want to say it ever comes back to normal because it doesn't depending on the uh, time frame of the gun season uh, because once a, a lot of times even in Iowa when the shotgun seasons come in and there's just deer drive after deer drive on some of the farms that I hunt, the the last thing you want to do is get in there and try to bugger it up. you almost you almost want to let it kind of calm down for a day or two. And this yeah. is again my experience. Let it calm down for a day or two, then get back into it. Yeah. So and, and
1: yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, that, that was it. Okay. I'm curious what you've seen. I mean, you're on, you know, you you're, you're hunting in Iowa, you're hunting private ground in Iowa. And I think a lot of guys hear your scenario and think, oh man, if I just had a property like Dan, what do your trail cameras show you when some of your properties start getting hit by these deer drives? Here's
0: what I'll say <laughs> is that like the, the properties that I hunt are very good archery spots. And then what we have here is just a complete relocation of the deer herd come the gun season. Wow. And so these properties just get, they, they're driven, they're driven, they're driven uh, a couple times uh, throughout the year. We're talking about um, every day, of a shotgun season, there is a drive coming through this, this property. And I'm talking, it's a, it is, it's like a mile long drive. They'll drop guys off at one end and they will push them the entire property down into this river bottom where they'll have other guys waiting. And I don't know. I honestly, I don't know what their success looks like, but I will say this uh, after that gun season, the deer leave and they do not come back until spring.
1: Hmm. Yeah.
0: So they're, they're going somewhere else. And, uh, I don't know where that is. It's not on this farm,
1: man. It, it, so no clue. You just, they just vacate. Yeah. They, they vacate. Wow. I mean,
0: they, they are gone and they don't come back until some, sometimes they don't come back until June man. is when, you know, the, now there's always a couple uh, does. I mean, a couple does that tend to t- ride it out and stay in the same area. But even the doe groups split, and then they come back to fawn in uh, in the spring.
1: Yeah, man. So when you're getting back on these deer, let's say, you know, after gun season or or even maybe during it while you're bow hunting, how much of this are you just trying to find deer? And how much of this is you trying to find a buck or the buck? Or are you just saying, you know what, I've just got to be wherever – four-legged animals are
0: yeah so it just depends right if you control the food source right let's let's just say you're lucky enough to have a a property that whether you own it or manage it or you have access to it has a a standing cornfield for in december or after the gun season is over man there's a really good chance that once it starts getting cold, snow is on the ground. Um, even th- and that's this is Midwestern talk, but it could relate to different scenario, different food source down south, right? Yep. Um, I know that down south it stays greener longer. Uh, there's probably more. I don't. I don't really know because I don't hunt a lot of the south. But I'm I'm guessing there's a lot of. Uh, Uh, food still available for these deer or you live in a state where you can just put a feeder out and and just keep keep the deer on your property that way so in the so my experience in the midwest is if you can if you have that standing grain whether that's soybeans or or a food source that they're just pounding you just get in between their bedding at some point you get in between their bedding and their uh, food source and you just wait and see or you hang a trail camera and then you come and check it, you know, every couple days, if you can drive up to it or something like that. And you'll get a good idea of, of what deer are in the area outside of that. It's and let's say you don't have trail camera data and you, you walk in, you stumble across it and you just set up. It, it just becomes a waiting game again, right? Yep. Are you going to fill the freezer or is your goal to fill the freezer or is your goal to get another big buck? And so I don't know. It just it's it becomes that it becomes the waiting game because as the season progresses and the and the rut winds down, the deer go back to that bed to food pattern and especially when it's cold out, they are they are bedding till dang dang near dark and then they're coming in and, and uh they're eating all night and then they're usually cruising back to their bed right at right at first light in the morning. And then they they try to find a warm spot where they're going to be chilling all day long. And uh, that's, you know, that's where they're at.
1: Yeah, man. And I would highly recommend, like, if you're hunting this time of year, post-gun season, like, fill that freezer up. You know, I I would recommend not trying to hold out for that huge buck unless you've got control of a property, control of some food. Or just you
0: have intel. Yeah, or or good intel. That's right. Yeah. That's right.
1: Yeah, very good. So- dan how much are you banking on any kind of secondary rutting activity when it comes to this time of year i hear i hear some guys swear by it who are like man i'm not missing you know december 1st 2nd and 3rd i'm going to be in the woods and i hear other guys are like i've never seen anything like that
0: yeah so usually that's when iowa's uh that's when Iowa's shotgun seasons kick off. So I'm not in the woods to typically see it. Gotcha. But I have, I have seen in the past, uh, some a secondary rutting activity and that is only one time or maybe two times in a 20 year period as, as, a, a what I'm going to call myself a serious hunter. Like I was a hunter before that, but I didn't know anything. But once you start observing and get getting to know the deer herd and just watching how everything works, if you're banking on that, I don't think it's a good. I mean, if you have the time, I mean, go do it. But if you're banking on it and you're using it as a strategy, I think it's it's kind of a uh, maybe a weak strat a weak strategy unless because it only it's only a thing if does don't get bred, right. Yep. If, yep. if all the does on the farms that you hunt are bred, then there's not going to be a second dairy breeding cycle in December or so you really do have to. It's, it's a guessing game at that point. We know on the first go around in late October, early November, all of the does for the most part, you know, unless they're young or sick are going to go into um, estrus. If they're all bred, we don't we don't know that. So. I don't know. It it would be hard for me to put all my eggs into that basket.
1: Yeah. And I I think a lot of that comes down to also where you you hunt and what your property is like. I mean, if you're hunting, you know, some properties I think of in like Florida, Alabama, and that kind of thing that just have these, or Pennsylvania, I mean, even places in the Northeast where they have mature buck to doe ratios that are way out of whack. Way
0: out. Yep. That's a great point. crazy out of whack,
1: then you might could expect a little bit more. And actually, some of the guys that I know who've talked a lot about, you know, that secondary rut are in Pennsylvania. Um, yeah, and then, high, high
0: doe numbers, low buck numbers.
1: That's right. High doe numbers, b- yep. low buck numbers. And, you know, I've we have seen in Alabama, uh, when we're out turkey hunting, like I've seen a buck chasing a doe in March in Alabama. Yeah. Um, I've, yeah. We've seen and, and used to when Alabama's turkey season started March 15th, we would find fresh scrapes all over the place. And that was right around yeah. that second rut period because, you know, February 1st through 10th is like peak rut where my family property is. And so a month yeah. later, you know, it totally makes sense that you're seeing a lot of rut activity. But again, that's a spot where we've got one or two mature bucks on camera and our fields will fill up and we'll have 30 or 40 deer on our property on a given evening. And, you yes. know, it's a 35-acre property. And so, you know, just way out of whack when it comes to the uh, – when it comes to buck to doe ratios, but uh, Dan, when anything else, when it comes to adjusting to that kind of pressure, because you all, I mean, everything is going to be situational because state by state their, their firearm seasons are so different, but it's almost, it's a lot wrapped up into one because it's not only adjusting to that pressure. It's also now adjusting from rut hunting to, you know, late season. Um, You know, are, are those, terrain features going to play in anymore or are you going to kind of put those on the back burner or anything else besides like yeah. food and cover is the is the winner
0: yeah i mean deer don't just stop using certain areas right right and usually the cover correlates with a terrain feature of some sort right so right. the deer aren't just hey uh, i'm gonna go bed in the middle of this wide open uh, or something like that, or they're going to go, oh man, I'm going to, I'm going to hang in a, in, in a, in a brand new area where I'm going to give up safety. Usually that doesn't happen. Or when they, when they traverse through the terrain, they're not going to say, well, it's a different time of year. I'm going to skyline myself the whole way, or I'm going to walk <laughs> in the lowest, you know, the lowest point. No, th- th- my experience shows that they're still using those terrain features to navigate through the, the, the uh, landscape and still some of the tree stands that you or you know, hunting locations that you've had throughout the entire year, in my opinion, are still going to be good depending it, but it all depends on where the food source is. Uh, once you get later into the year because the food source dictates where they're bedding how far they're bedding um, how cold it is all right do you have this uh, this these warm season grasses these crp fields that face the sun with maybe some cedar cover in it uh, or you know a direct sunlight to where the the, um, the deer can really sit in there stay warm and comfortable and, and have an efficient uh, you know just be like have the most efficient body throughout the, the, I don't know, the, the most harmful time of year for them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And <clears throat> that food can be, you know, you, we've talked about food quite a bit, you know, and that, you know, in and around these terrain features, especially if you can get into a spot with a lot of woody brows uh, yeah. that can be, that can be dynamite as far as staging areas and that kind of thing uh, prior to, because, you know, if you're hunting, uh, an ag field or, or let's say our food plots that have been really highly pressured, your daylight movement might be really minimal. You know, right. might not, might right. not go well for you at all. So absolutely. Well, Dan, man, congrats on a beautiful buck. You did it again. Same to you, I, man. I was like, wow, this guy is, what are you on? Like eight years running now, nine years running. Uh,
0: 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. So that's seven. Wow. 7 years in, well wait, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. Yeah, 7 years in a row I filled my my tag. It feels good, man. Uh and I I'm just there Here's what I'll say is one thing that I I I feel that I do good uh as a hunter is I observe. Mm. And I I I don't go. It's not necessarily about strategy to kill a, a a deer. It's more along the lines of observing what these deer are doing, and ju- and then just putting a tree stand in in that line of what they're doing. And so uh, that's that's the very basic simple approach that I kind of take to my you know, my hunting season and I'm lucky enough to where it's, uh, it's worked out over the past, you know, six years.
1: Yeah, man, that, years. that is a, I observe pretty well, but I'm hard headed, and, yeah. you know, thankfully I, I was able to get on this buck this year, but the deer were trying to tell me all along, like, Hey, this is where you should be sitting. And I just ignored them. Like, yeah, <laughs> I, I kept yep. seeing deer there. I was just like, meh, but you really want to be down here at this pinch point. Right. And, yeah.
0: uh, yeah. Yeah. And don't get discouraged out. because this is no joke. It took me 10 years to figure that out. It took me 10 years to figure out that I was doing something wrong. And then in 2016, I had a little bit of, I guess you would call an aha moment or awakening where it just went click. And I was like, Oh my God, I felt like an (laughs) idiot that I, 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 wasn't, you know, it didn't click for me. And then in 2016, it clicked for me and I've been riding that you know that knowledge base ever since
1: yeah do you feel like at this point you could go a year without tagging a buck and and feel okay about it
0: oh dude i don't know that's pretty hard (laughs) right like like my goal is to go out and get the job done i mean because that's why we hunt but i don't know man I, i i like hunting deer yeah and i'm i i not only like it it's one of my favorite things to do but i like killing deer not just the hunting, the hunting part of it. Like let's be realistic hunters. Their, their main goal is to go kill an animal yep. and, and every year that's what I want. I want to go kill an animal. And, uh, and so uh, put me maybe a little bit more in the killer category than the hunter category, but those two, those two categories overlap big time with me. And, and man, ultimately I want to go, I want to put a deer on the ground with, you know, buck and doe.
1: Yeah, that's for sure. So what what's next for you? Are you done for the year, or are you heading back west? No, I don't
0: think I'm gonna. Man, I want to. It's gun season right now in the states that I've already been in. There's a chance in December, uh, after Thanksgiving, I, I'm able to get back out there and maybe go make it happen. But man, I I'm in. I'm um. I'm back in business mode. I'm back in you know dad mode and and husband mode and so it's hard to it's hard to go do that get back into it then leave again and so um i don't know it's gonna be a play it by ear type situation and uh i don't know Uh, shoot from the hip
1: yeah yeah and hey if folks want to go catch the story of your 2022 buck that launched this well let's see that's launched already but it was on wednesday yep okay all right so I think this Nine Finger
0: Chronicles podcast, yeah, yeah.
1: Nine, Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, awesome story, and uh, yeah, man, also the story recently of that bruiser from Iowa. Um, oh, dude, I've got a buddy that, isn't that's not that
0: buck ridiculous.
1: He's it's crazy. I had a buddy send me that picture right after the guy shot it, and he was like, "Dude, this is twenty minutes from where I live," and I was like, "Oh <laughs> my goodness!" So when I saw it pop up on your podcast, I was like, "Okay, I got to hear this story." So anyway, yeah, just absolute giant. But Dan, thanks for coming on the show again today and uh yeah man we'll catch up again soon
0: yeah uh good luck to everybody out there who's still getting after it and as we and this is one thing that i always like to preach is as we get into you know like the grinding part of the hunting season where maybe you haven't killed a deer yet maybe you haven't uh saw a buck that you want to shoot or or got even got close to a a deer that you want to put in your freezer don't skip the safety part of it because we all get yes. tired and we get complacent and we forget we really do need to focus on the safety uh wear your safety harness uh, make sure you're wearing your blaze orange and uh you know put put others first because we can't rely on others to be safe for us we have to be safe for ourselves and for others so uh just take that into consideration but good luck
1: yeah man that's such a good point and hey if you get back out again good luck to you as well that's all for this week's episode. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. If you dig this show, be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever it is that you get your podcasts. If you could leave us a five star review, I would very much appreciate that. While you're at it, you can follow along with my outdoor adventures on Instagram at How to Hunt Deer. That's also the best way to get a hold of me, suggest topics that you want to hear, guests you want to hear from, or questions that you'd like me to explore on the show. Big thanks to our partners, Tacticam, Huntworth, Deer Lab, and Onyx.